1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us.
0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDSE. If you look for it, every day has cause for celebration. Celebrate a friend for their promotion baby wedding life thing. Celebrate yourself for keeping the couch warm. It's no easy feat, especially if it's a big couch. Or maybe you just want to celebrate living in 2023, where you can get beer, wine, and spirits delivered from Drizzly in under 60 minutes without leaving said couch. So download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com and get your favorite drinks delivered today.
2: This is the Decibel Geek Podcast.
0: Doing excellent,
1: and uh, as I teased at the end of last show, um, I mentioned that Aaron likes to hang out with big buff dudes that um, wear very little clothing and uh, roll around on the floor with each other. Um, it's not what you think; it's not a Turkish prison or anything. But uh, <laughs> Aaron, won't you give me give us a little summation of of what you get into? What what it is?
0: Well, here in Nashville, Tennessee, moved down here from Wisconsin, I found pretty early on that Nashville, Tennessee, is a hotbed. For professional wrestling. You know, I've been a professional wrestling fan since I was a young kid growing up in Wisconsin. It's still real to me, damn it! (laughs) And uh, to move down here and have an opportunity to work with some real professional organizations like the National Wrestling Alliance, like Crossfire Entertainment, who does a lot of work with the Make-A-Wish Foundation and putting on great fairgrounds shows. Um, You know, gave me the opportunity to... You know, get involved with pro wrestling myself. You know, I I get in some dangerous situations, but I am not a professional wrestler myself. You know, I uh, did a little. We did a little of that back home in Wisconsin, but it was very backyardy, if you know <laughs> what I mean. So nowadays, I stay behind the microphone. I do uh, commentary. I call the matches for uh, NWA Main Event TV. That's for the National Wrestling Alliance for all all the old school wrestling fans that remember the NWA. It's still alive and well. Um, niggas with
1: attitude
0: n- well no no oh. not that nwa okay, which is sorry. funny because a lot of times if you <laughs> try to google us you might end up with ended up on some dr dre website ice cube
1: versus easy e yeah oh, Well, that's see? not a fair match since one of them's dead
0: right yeah they had their battles when they were alive right. you can youtube <laughs> that i think yeah. check us out you know keep up with crossfire entertainment you know they do a lot of great wrestling stuff um we do a lot of stuff with the make a wish foundation we had rikishi and uh maria and brian christopher and a bunch of other former wwe superstars at the uh, most recent fairgrounds show and then of course uh thursday nights at the nwa arena right here in nashville tennessee off of trinity lane for the uh, national wrestling alliance and we've got some great stuff going on there too definitely worth checking out And that's every thursday night uh ringside seats are only seven dollars general admissions three bucks you know kids five under are free it's a good time you know make it a family fun night with somebody getting their head busted open with a steel chair god
1: you're gonna be like gene Simmons and turn my show into an infomercial <laughs>
0: you asked <laughs> i said you could
1: co-host i didn't say you could turn it into a wrestling show <laughs> well you know that's what i said i didn't want to turn it into a wrestling
0: show but you want to bring it up right away <laughs>
1: all right well enough about big roided up guys um one of them will probably put me in a headlock when I get to meet him. So, Good. Um, so today tell hacksaw what you said. Yeah, um, today is the uh, well he'll hurt me with his big thumb. Um, today is the first Nashville extra um episode of the show this is uh this is specifically for my my nashville and middle tennessee area people although people from outside of nashville i'm sure you know might check it out too if you want to great um you'll learn about what goes on in the scene here i do this because i used to play in bands here in the local scene and i used to run a local website and book shows and all that and i uh i always play uh music by unsigned bands from here in nashville to try to give them support so this is a Sort of a fun way to interact just with those people, and um,
0: not the country bands. No, screw that. Um, no, no, rock. And <laughs> just metal, wanted to no, make no. sure you know you're talking about Nashville you know, and no. people from out of town. You know, mm-hmm. want to clarify mm-hmm. this is still a show about rock yeah, and metal yeah. music.
1: Yeah, you'll you won't. <laughs> you're not going to hear any of that. Um, and none of the uh, hipster uh, crap that you'll you'll that the Nashville scene covers, which we'll get into in a bit. I interviewed Chris Higgins, or I had a t- discussion with Chris Higgins. We don't use the word interview here. Yeah. We, we have discussions. Um, I had a discussion with Chris Higgins about uh, our favorite rock documentaries a few months back. And while he was here, I went ahead and set aside some time and we talked about the local scene. And now I've gotten off my lazy ass and we're actually doing um, the local show.
0: It's about time. Yeah.
1: And uh, it's just Chris's opinion on the local scene, what he, what uh, Piranha's been up to. And uh, there there's a, a lot going on in the world of Piranha. They uh, they work their asses off. I've been friends with those guys for a long time. I like Piranha. Very good band. I'm actually wearing my Piranha shirt today. it's good one. That was not even intentional, but uh, yeah, I'm wearing
0: it. Um, You're going to turn the show into an infomercial. Yeah. For, for Piranha. The, it's
1: the Piranha podcast. That's good. Um, so yeah, we'll have that interview with Chris, and it, you'll understand the interview's a few months old, but it's still relevant. Um, the, I'm also excited that... Uh, since Aaron's on board, we're going to have a couple of new segments. One will be my, it's kind of my solo rant, uh, which will be Rage Against the Scene, which is the next thing we're going to have. Which we could all get in on that, but that yeah, would we take will. up the whole show itself. Well, we will. And <laughs> it'll probably wind up being its own show eventually. Um, where basically, I rail against uh, the Nashville scene, and uh, which is the publication, although there's some, things, there's some local rock things that I'm going to probably rant on, so it really is the whole scene in general. Um, it's not meant to be mean-spirited. It's meant to make you chuckle. So, um, before I get death threats on my answering machine, just understand it's a parody and it's just meant to
0: make you laugh. Um, yeah, get in line behind Vinny Vincent.
1: Yeah, speaking of that, um, <laughs> this is Vinnie Vincent's musical output this week. Now we got a nice segment segmented show. Um, we're going to go into Rage Against the Scene and uh, Chris Higgins from Piranha.
2: Proving to the world that Nashville is about more than banjo picking and sister banging. This is the Decibel Geek Podcast. 1034. Now it's time for Rage Against the Scene.
1: So, uh, one of the first things I checked out recently was an article they did on Soundland, and Soundland was a festival that just actually just finished up a few days ago here in Nashville. It used to be called the Next Big Nashville Festival, and Soundland and Next Big Nashville sound like, don't they sound like an all-encompassing thing? You know, that sounds like something that would include all kinds of of at least rock music, you would think. Um, not the case. In, uh, in the interview, Jason Moon Wilkins mentions how they eliminate the, the local artist submission process, <laughs> which kind of cracks me up because it's like they never really i don't think they paid much attention to that in the first place because it was the same groups then as it is now that are playing this festival and uh, i'm sure plenty of the hard rock and metal acts probably did submit stuff in the past for this festival and they would get ignored every time um so the tastemakers that run the scene and you know and it's local hipster playground they they picked the bands and that's I think that's what was going on all along, so it's kind of a moot point to bring that up. Um, I mean, th- they covered like, it's just a handful of groups. I mean, like Caitlin Rose, Those Darlins, and Jeff the Brotherhood, they're all successful Nashville-based artists that are on the rise. But I have to wonder why only a handful of acts get all the ink and there's so many others that c- get completely ignored. Um, anything approaching hard rock or metal seems to get ignored, except, you know, save for some of the stuff that Matt Sullivan, one of their writers, will pick. And I don't always agree with some of the stuff Matt picks, but at least he's willing to give some of the, some exposure to that stuff, to that genre. And before the national Scene people and followers come back on me and say, well, why aren't you covering that kind of stuff on your show? Well, my show is about hard rock and metal, and I make no bones about that. I don't claim to be all-encompassing covering everything. And you can't call yourself national Scene and act that way and then only promote seven or eight bands. Because I mean, if you read, if you only read the Nashville scene, you would think that there are seven or eight bands or artists in Nashville. Period. No more. I mean, that's all that ever gets promoted on this on this uh, website and this uh, magazine that they do. And, I, and as I flip through it, I'm thinking, oh, you know, what a shock! Hey, they're talking about those darlings again. You know, I don't, I don't believe it. Um, and Jack White is mentioned this week. Holy shit! I mean, they never mentioned Jack White other than you know every ten minutes. I mean, they slobber on this guy's knob forever, and you know. Every time they're always they make it out like Jack White is some god that came down from Detroit to save us and to teach us all how to grow out handlebar mustaches, teach us how to play not in tune and you know and bring us third man records. And you know I I kind of like I saw it might get loud. I dug it. I thought it was pretty cool. It was cool seeing you know three generations of guitar players in one room. And you know Jack White, Jack White's never gonna win any technical proficiency awards, but you know that doesn't really matter. Um, you can be simple and, uh, you know, play great music and everything, that's fine. But, uh, he's not as big a deal as they want to make him. It's, it's just like they, they're just begging him to, uh, to be a part of their magazine or something. I don't know. It's just, it blows me away. And, you know, it's all about Third Man Records and, um, how his bands are all, you know, putting everything out exclusively on 45. That's cute and all, but it's, I understand doing, of uh, having a 45. I still love vinyl, but... only putting out a 45? I mean, what the fuck? But, um, speaking of records, uh, did you guys know that um, Grimey's isn't the only record store in Nashville? Think about that. I mean, according to the Nashville scene, as far as what I can tell, they they think that Grimey's is the only record store in Nashville. Unless you buy advertising space in this rag to promote your record store, the scene is going to completely ignore you. They're going to monopolize their friends over at Grimey's and just give them all of the attention, and I have no agenda or beef with Grimeys, I've actually bought some really cool shit from Grimeys, and I tip my bowler hat to uh, any record store that, you know, is still surviving these days, um, and and doing it, especially in this internet thing where everyone's downloading stuff, I've been to Grimeys a number of times and bought good stuff there, but I've also been to The Great Escape, I've also been to Phono Lux, who are on their way out because they've had to cut their schedule, but, um, and the is uh, there's some really good stuff out there grimy's is cool too but but let's uh give some attention to some other people you know but uh to have a media source like the scene you know virtually ignore all these other record stores it does more harm than good and as much as they like to tout um record store day every year and come down to grimy's for record store day and that's good grimy's needs support as much as any other record store and that's why i said as much as any other record store so think about that next year on Record Store Day, Nashville Scene, when you ignore all of the other stores other than Grimey's. Uh, it, it's, it's bullshit, as far as I'm concerned. Now, I want to finish off, and I want to talk about Jeff, the Brotherhood. These guys recently opened up for, oh my god, hey, Jack White and his tours at the Ryman. And, then, of course, the scene was there to take all the action in, you know trying to contain their eargasm. And uh, with their jurgens in hand, because Jack White and uh, Jeff the Brotherhood, the same menu, uh, it's just, I'm amazed they didn't explode. Uh, first of all, what is so special about these guys? I, I mean, I've checked out their stuff online. I'm not going to go see them live. And Garage Rock is fine, but you would think that these guys were like the second coming of the Beatles, according to the Nashville scene. I mean, they, they I looked up Jeff the Brotherhood on their website. Just on the search, the search engine, and it, they have over ten pages of results for these guys. Ten
2: pages,
1: not ten results. Ten pages, but it's just like I don't, I don't get it. I just don't know what's so special about them. I guess the definition of talent is to know three chords, play through beat-up equipment, dress like you stepped out of 1973, shower once every six months, and mumble into a microphone. That's that's pretty much. I think it sums it up. I mean this is, it reminds me of the, this this time in music reminds me of the early 90s where everyone got sick of hearing songs about having a good time and enjoying life and had to go to the furthest extreme by getting into this misery laden stuff that was played by guys that looked like they walked out of a lumberyard and strapped on a guitar and I like there's a lot of grunge stuff that I liked and uh, some of that stuff is good I mean, in the uh, '80s hair band era, did get watered down. I mean, you're not gonna, you're probably not gonna hear me have anybody from, uh, you know, let me think of some of the Sea League. Like, you're never gonna hear a member of Trickster on this show. I, I seriously doubt it, unless I run out of guests. But, you know, there's bands like that, and they, and they did wear their, their welcome out. But we don't have to go to the furthest extreme. Oh, and don't dare ever play a fucking guitar solo, because. Um, that's the way things are now with, with bands, too. It reminds me of the early 90s. It's like, you know, don't play a guitar solo. Those are played out in fascist, which it just means that these most of these guys don't have enough talent to even play a pentatonic scale or even know what a pentatonic scale is. So it's not a big deal, but, I mean, let, let, let's let's not go to, to the furthest extreme here. It's the same as, like, I'm not, I'm not telling anyone to go and play Cannibal Corpse. I'm sure I have a couple of listeners that love them, but come on. I mean, that's that's the furthest end of heavy and I wouldn't want to see them cover that stuff either. But don't call yourself a all-encompassing news source if you're only going to cover your friends' bands. It's a joke. It's a it's a, it's a hilarious tragic joke. And there's plenty of modern rock rock stuff out there that's garbage, and I'll touch on touch on lots of that too. I mean, we're going to as I go forward with this thing, I'm going to I'll even pick I'll take pot shots at 1029 the buzz. And uh, you guys may think I'm all in bed with those guys. I'm friends with some of their DJs, but I'm certainly going to call them out. I mean, you would think that Bush is some brand new thriving band with as much as they play Bush, and they play 90s grunge all the time. Um, So, no, I have plenty of problems with that, and Nickelback is, I think, Satan's spawn. But... I'll get into that later, but I wanted to go ahead and start out familiar with uh, what I used to take shots at with Rage Against the Scene, and the scene will cover the Nashville music scene, not necessarily just the paper, but I'll take plenty of shots at you guys too. So I'm going to let them get back to their one-sided coverage, and I'll get back to my one-sided narrow-mindedness, and uh, I got to get going because it's time for my insurance, and my Metamucil. So this has been Rage Against the Scene. That's all, folks.
2: No, I don't want to hear that Nickelback song again. Really? This is a Despo Geek Podcast.
3: Dolly Stone put out something recently. He said that Nashville was one of the top rock or hard rock mm-hmm. metal scenes in the, in the country, if not the one. So that's a, a big testament to what we got going on here.
1: But what do you think... Well, and the Nashville scene and Cream ran with that, and they tried to downplay the hard rock angle. Who did that? The Nashville scene uh-huh. and the Cream blog, which is their blog. Uh, okay. Tried to run with that. and uh, But I'll hear from some bands that they get better response from, from the audiences from smaller towns, which I wonder, Do you think that's due to less competition?
3: Uh, yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe. Uh, when we've played Kentucky, uh, you know, there's the, the shows there of the turnouts have not been that that good. I don't understand. This is all around the Louisville area, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I don't understand that really. But then I went and saw the um, the Slayer, Megadeth, Anthrax deal at the Freedom Hall up there, and. And it, it all kind of made sense to me at that point because most of the uh, most of the arena was blocked off. They mm. didn't use much of it. Really? It, no. Scale and so, so when you figure, okay, well, if those guys can't pull in, you know, yeah, uh, a lot surprised? of people. <laughs> then what the hell, you know, is some <laughs> local band from from Nashville going to be able to do? But. But but I will say the people up there, um, they're very enthusiastic. Yeah. I mean, you know, they, they they're quick to start a pit. Mm-hmm. You know, they know, they know your shit. You know. Yeah. I have one uh, one of the guys from the other bands we play with, uh, Broken Bleeding. Mm-hmm. Uh, last time we played up in Kentucky, uh, he's like, "Hey uh, Higgins, I already got your I already got your set list picked out for you. I want to hear this and this and this and this." I mean, the guy knew. Well, that's great. You know, yeah. Which is cool, and they're a good band too, Broken Bleeding. But um. But, yeah, I don't know, man. It's like, um, you know, then we played up in in Illinois, and we were playing with soil, mm-hmm. which is a big band, you yeah, know? um but uh you know, there was uh, several other local bands on the bill, and we've never been up there in, in our lives, you know, mm-hmm. so uh, we played two shows up there, you know two hundred fifty three hundred people uh I mean, we had a bigger you know no disrespect to to soil and not and at all. And please don't take it that way. If <laughs> but I mean, we honestly had a bigger crowd watching us than, than they did that night, which is which is weird. I don't know if it was slot placement or what it was, but, and we had sent up a bunch of promo stuff up there and those people knew when we said this is our single I Am, mm-hmm. there were people singing I Am, you know. Eight hours away that we've never been in anywhere in our lives.
1: Well, I guess
3: so that's freaking cool, you know.
1: I gotta stop you there because <clears throat> I guess no one told you we're the official soil podcast, so you just crossed the line, bud. Well, I'm sorry. You're gonna have to leave now. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, um, you know?
3: No, um... I, I mean I, I'm a big soil fan, you know. But and, all, dude, all I can say is all I can say is, is what I saw. Yeah, that's all, that's all I can say.
1: Do you? Do you prefer playing to local crowd or do you like playing out of town better? Um, and don't don't give me the party line stuff where it, oh I love Nashville. Well, I, like
3: bo- I like both. Um, no, I, 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 I like both. I like I like playing out of town just because you don't get to do that. Yeah, often you know. Well, I hope we're trying to do it more and more and more. Uh, but uh, it's 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 cool. Both both are good. It's it's cool when you play here because you got guys like Tony Stone and people who mm-hmm. played on local buzz. A lot of, a lot of, you know, a lot of people who've promoted prana. Prana's from here, mm-hmm. so people are more in tune to what you're doing here, and so you go and people are singing your tunes and yeah. back to you and stuff. That's cool. And if you can pull a, an audience in here, you know, like a big crowd here. Yeah. You've done something.
1: Yeah, that was my next question. It was like it's that's almost like if you pull a respectable audience here, it <clears> can <throat> almost mean more than pulling a huge audience in a. Podunk town, yeah, yeah. because you're the only thing in town. If you're in some Podunk town, yeah. If you're in Nashville and you're going up against the Predators or so and so's playing at the Ryman and and whatnot, right? You pull in a decent crowd for that. That's that tells you something, you know. But I mean, you go up to
3: like Illinois and stuff, and it's like, you know, you're talking about earlier about the European Mm -hmm. people. You know, those people up there, (laughs) those there's a rat. They're they're, they're metal fans, man. Yeah. I mean, you know, we were just so excited to like. I mean, I think Soil's so from Illinois, mm-hmm. and um, so we were just so excited to play with those guys, and then like all the other band. It was just a, it was just two like incredibly cool nights, man. Yeah. You know,
1: I don't know how do how do you feel? Do you feel like do you feel that a band is a metal band? Now I know Framing Hanley's kind of gotten quite a bit of attention. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I'd <clears throat> necessarily call them a, a metal band. No, local I like more of pop rock. Yeah, rock band. Do you think a metal band in Nashville's got a real shot at breaking through to that to that level? Absolutely. Why do you think
3: that? Well, well, f- first of all, you've got to have the ambition and the and the mm-hmm. the drive and the will to to be able to travel to other places and and uh, stick yourself out there. Yeah. But uh, yeah, absolutely, do I think there's a real um, metalhead radio is a, a, a site we recently got hooked up with. It did a little um, thing for us, a, a little review type of deal and uh i know us and a band called unclean mm-hmm. and sin of remains from Knoxville. there's a lot of bands that are getting some a lot of this tennessee thing is like
1: mm-hmm.
3: i think i think people tennessee and metal in general is starting to starting to catch hold man
1: so do you think that a scene can really make a, a dent now or do you think it's more of an every man for himself thing but the way the internet is gone because it's kind of like the wild west right now
3: yeah um I don't know, like, Ray from National Metal Band says that we're a metal, we're a family, you know. Mm-hmm. Some people participate in that and some really don't. Right. Um, you know, we do.
1: <laughs> so are you saying, um, you're not saying as much allegiance to the same idea from, from local, from, from certain local groups here?
3: I don't understand what you we
1: Well, are, do you... Do you feel like there's a unified scene here, or do you feel like there's still a lot of stuff th- that needs to be unbroken?
3: I, I do, but I, but you know, but but this is going to be this. It, it's this wherever you go, there's clicks. Mm-hmm. There's always clicks. Um, you know, some people give other bands shows and don't get that back in return, and that's that's something that kind of bothers me. But do
1: you um do you look at other do you act like Take yourself, put yourself as the music consumer. Do you do you go and see? Gee, I wonder what's breaking big out of Detroit. No. No, I wonder what's big out of New York. Right no, uh. Uh-uh. so that's
3: why. But I, if I hear of a band, you know, I mean, if you hear of some somehow, I don't, you know, the you know, internet is what it is. So yeah, and if I'm just
1: it. trying to ask the questions to try to <clears> get an idea of where we are with this because when I used to run the website NationalRock.net, um, I kept trying to help build a scene. And I hope that that can happen because I'd love to see Seattle happen again and have it happen here. Yeah, I there's nothing I'd want more. But what scares me is the way the internet is. is everything is so singular. Mm-hmm. It's like let me pick and choose here. It's all cherry. Let me cherry pick this group from here and this group from here and this group from here. That's what I'm trying to figure out is if a real scene can happen again. Which part of me thinks it can because look at South South by Southwest in Austin. Yeah that alone tells you that there is a focus on a certain geographic part of the country, mm-hmm. but I, I just don't want to give up hope that that's possible here. No,
3: I, I I think it's totally possible, man. I mean, there is, I mean, there is so much, so much, even just in hard rock and metal, mm. so many great bands in this town. Mm. You know, I remember talking to sick Tom from voodoo prophet, uh, a couple of years ago, we were sitting over at my house, having a couple of drinks and, He's from Knoxville area, mm-hmm. and I'm from Greenville, Tennessee originally, East Tennessee, and um, we were sitting there, and you know, we'd have a few beers, and I don't remember if it was, I think it was Tom that said to me, he goes, "Man, how crazy is this?" You know, he goes, D- "Damn, dude," he goes, "You and me, man, you know, a couple of guys from East Tennessee and like two of the bigger bands in, in, in Nashville, yeah, you know, and in a, a as big a you know music scene as it is, and yeah." world-renowned Nashville, tennessee music city it's like Mm. that's pretty cool yeah it is that's pretty cool and uh so um you know i think yeah i I think we got a good shot here
2: rubbing our last two brain cells together this is the decibel geek podcast
1: hi this is chris holmes vodka bottle and you're listening to the decibel geek podcast You mentioned before on the last episode that you, you used to live out in the L.A. area. Mm-hmm. Are you from there? No, i from I'm, Greenville. No, right? I'm from Greenville, Tennessee. So did you go out there seeking to make I, it? I did. <laughs> and, <clears throat> and tell me a little bit about that.
3: <clears throat> well, I mean, <laughs> I was a big uh, big fan of all the West Coast stuff, you know, Van Halen, Motley, all that kind of stuff back in the day. And, um, I mean, that's that's what I knew. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I knew Metallica, too, but, again, it's West Coast. Yeah. Uh, I knew a lot of stuff, but that was, that was my deal, and um, I, I told everybody, you know, if I ever get a chance to get out of here, mm-hmm. I'm going. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going, and I won't look back, yeah. and uh, I, uh, this guy, uh, his name is Bob Bowles, who's uh, been like a mentor to me and, and, a, and a great friend, um, he's you know older, a little bit older, done a lot in the music industry, and he was from my hometown, mm. and every Christmas... Uh, He would sing at the the midnight service on Christmas Eve. Mm -hmm. And uh, he had long hair, you know, and stuff. And he sounded like, to me, I always thought it was a cross between, like, Don Henley and Steve Perry. (laughs) The guy could sing like nobody's business. He Mm -hmm. was fantastic. And I was almost kind of intimidated to say anything to him. But I got in my head, listen, I'm getting out of here. Mm -hmm. I'm going going to do this if I have to go myself and live in a box. I'm going. And so um, I got a hold of his family, got his address, rode him and said hey look you know here's who i am this is what i'm trying to do and and uh he uh, he wrote me back and he painted a really horribly ugly <laughs> picture of los angeles and, oh wow and uh he was made it pretty scary and yeah he said um he said look you know if you're coming you know so if this doesn't deter you then maybe it's for you Okay. So it didn't. He wanted to go it, ahead and you through the like, ringer or right around. Uh, to ahead. me it's like, dude, you couldn't get much worse than where I'm at right now. Yeah. There ain't really nothing happening for a guy like me in Greenville, Tennessee. Sure. You know, so uh um so I went out and I tried out for this band and, and I and I, I, I made it. I got the audition and, and I've never been back since.
1: And what band were you in It was called band? Love or Money. Love or Money.
3: Yeah, we're kind of like a um I don't know, kind of like a journey meets something a little harder. There were there were like really good vocal harmonies.
1: You weren't doing makeup, were you? No,
3: no, no. There's a couple of there's a couple of shots floating around out there where there's some uh, you know <laughs> where they touch up for uh, photo shoots or whatever. But no, uh-huh. it wasn't a glam thing. And what around what year was this? This is like '91 through '94, okay. something like that. So we, you were right we,
1: there as things were starting to change.
3: Yeah, it was starting to die. When I first got there, it was um, yeah there was there was still a, a, a strip, and yeah. I and of course yeah. I went and I was like. <laughs> it was this shit I saw about on Metal Gear. You know? Exactly, and I was like, "Yes, you know, I'm here." <laughs> and uh, but it was it was cool, uh, uh, you know. But yeah, it was starting to change. Yeah, man. and I think that's probably probably one of the reasons why we didn't we didn't make it. We yeah. were one of the best. We got voted in several things as one of the best unsigned bands in Los Angeles. Yeah, but it's like. It just you know things were changing so dramatically, mm-hmm. a grunge and people staring at their shoes, as Gene says, you know <laughs> yeah. like the, the alternative one at wonders Shoe and stuff. Gazers. That that you know what we were doing was was it was too, you know harmonies weren't cool. You so know. you were
1: see- were you seeing that style shift right in oh, front of your eyes? Absolutely, man. So you saw Dude, you all, all these alt I- bands starting to. By the time I waves. left,
3: well, by the time I left, there was nobody on Sunset Street. Wow. When I got there, there was still a lot. But wow. not like it was that I had heard about right. and seen. But it was still pretty impressive to a guy like, from Greenville, Tennessee. But, um, but by the time I left, man, there was nothing. There was It was dead. It was completely dead. That
1: must have been just odd to watch. It sucked. Yeah. It sucked. So that you know? led you to come back here to Tennessee.
3: Yeah, I just felt like... Uh, you know, I wasn't getting the odd, you know, even when that band started and I thought, well, you know, shoot, maybe I can get in something, um, something else, you know, maybe I can, you know, but I, I could never find, I was never on that inner circle. I could never find out when the the auditions were already done mm-hmm. for a drummer, you know, if somebody needed one by the time I found out about it. right. And so, um. It just, you know, it's just like the muggings, the earthquakes, the riots, <laughs> you just you know, <laughs> like I'm like, look, I, you know, every, I would go home to Greenville every six months, once in the summer and once at Christmas. Mm-hmm. And I would always sit there every time I would go home and my my dad willed it to me, it 17 acres worth of land. And I just go kind <clears> of <throat> walk back around over there and just kind of sit and, and think about, you know, what it is that's going on is, yeah. is, am I wasting my time or. And that particular time, I came back, and I'm like, you know, this is it, man. It's like this is not going, it's not going any further.
1: So between Kurt Cobain k- killing off the strip, basically, and earthquakes, all kinds of God, Rodney King and all that going on, Greenville started looking a lot better.
3: Well, no, Greenville didn't, but. Uh, <laughs> But L.A. certainly wasn't where I wanted to be. No yeah, you,
1: well, you it started looking like a dead end.
3: Yeah, it, I just didn't see it happening.
1: Okay, so then you did you move into Nashville? Or did you move no, back to Greenville?
3: I moved to Atlanta.
1: I <laughs> moved to Atlanta.
3: Uh, I stayed like I stayed a week with my aunt Caroline. And I left in a week. I, oh, okay. hate, I hated it. Okay, you know, it's cool to go see shows in Atlanta, but it uh-huh. wasn't for me. I I think, I think I probably needed to scale down for yeah. a, for a little bit. And kind of get myself together and figure out something new. Okay. So I left there. I went back to Greenville. I stayed there through the fall and the holidays, which was cool. Mm-hmm. And then I moved to Chapel Hill, North Carolina, and played in an R&B rock band for like three years. Really? Yeah, which was it was great because <clears throat> it's like I wanted to prove to myself that I could do something other than like play double metal. bass and go nuts for you know an hour. I wanted, yeah. I wanted to be able to pull back and play something different. I just wanted something sure. different. Stretch and metal out. at that time was like... Mm-hmm
1: not yeah. doing well yeah. i mean
3: i still love the stuff that i loved yeah sure but i wasn't it was really hard to find anything that was really cool and interesting at mm-hmm. least to me yeah uh, at that time so i wanted to do something different and mm-hmm. that was w- probably one of the best things ever that happened to me ever yeah because it was just so different and i you know i learned some stuff mm-hmm. and um and so then after that i moved to back to, i moved to nashville and went to belmont
1: what now mm-hmm. what leads you to go to nashville School, College. School.
3: Yeah, My dad's like, Look, you know, you've been out here like playing music all over the whatever. You know, I'm worried about you. You know, okay. if you'll go to school, I'll pay for it. I just want you to go back to school. I'll help you with it. Okay. And I'm like, oh, Okay, well, so I started looking. And again, Bob Bowles, the guy I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. went to Belmont and he says, Dude, they got a great music business program there. And I was like, Okay. So I checked it out. And I got in. I did that. And uh, I played in some little things here and there. Well, I was going to school, but my main focus was to do well on that.
1: And what were you going to school for?
3: Music business. Music business. Yeah. And um, so, um, but when that ended, you know, when that was over, it was like, metal was (laughs) like... It's time to rock. Metal was calling again, (laughs) and I was more than willing to, like, get... So
1: you you finished college? yeah, Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's good.
3: Yep. And then you uh, still paying for it, and will be for for a long. long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Okay. And then so then, what was the first uh, local act you joined up with? <coughs> um,
3: actually, it was that band uh, Sense of Memory. Sins of Memory. Yeah, yeah. I formed that with Michael Richardson and uh, Lanny Harris coming on board later, and then we had a couple of vocals before Tommy Hope joined.
1: Okay. And uh, any memorable shows you want to talk about on that one?
3: Probably the best show we did was the last one we did. We 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 played with uh, we we played with Piranha, which is which. How is, ironic is that? Yeah, it, it was <laughs> it was the last show for Piranha's drummer Devo. Yeah, at the Parador. Time. Yeah, uh, where was, was this at? This was at the the end, mm-hmm. and uh, it was my last show with with Sins. It was very. I mean, that was obvious. Everybody knew it. I knew it, and and. Uh, and it was the last show with their current lineup that they had at the time. I think uh, I don't know They still it. had Porter at the I, time. I think right? Porter was still in there. Was, I think they were a five piece that night. Yeah. And uh, so it was it was just weird, but I remember a lot of the guys that people that liked Sins of Memory come mm-hmm. up and said, Dude, that's the best show you guys ever did <laughs> You know, and it was the last one.
1: That's but, weird how the, the, But it was, you know, hey, whatever. And you know. let me go ahead and congratulate you as a member of Piranha for Getting through what I consider the Nashville curse, which I my, I tip my cap to anyone in Nashville that can record something and not break up immediately afterwards, <laughs> <laughs> because I was a part of, it, of at least one band, and I see it all the time. It's like, oh, hey, did you hear we finished our CD, or we finished our demo? I'm like, oh, great, yeah, yeah, but we broke up. And it's like, I don't know why it is, but for some reason, the recording studio ends Lots of bands.
3: Well, it can be stressful. So,
1: like, we had a recording session with my group, um, recorded, and it was a fun session and all, but the tension was in the air, and then, like, sure enough, like, it was the last day we ever played. So... But yeah, have you noticed that? Like a lot of local bands, they'll, they'll record and then immediately break up. I,
3: I've heard that. I it not Really thought about it, but
1: I guess running Nashville Rocks for so long, I noticed it. Yeah, yeah. You, yeah, come you start seeing it's like oh, I, I, like I'd get emails from people, um, hey, we're gonna put out such and such CD on such and such date. Can you you know help us hype it? And I'm like, yeah, sure, let's go. And then, sure enough, I'd hear I'd, <laughs> a few weeks later. I said, "Okay, here's the MP3s." I'm like, "Great. When's your next show?" I, oh, we're broke up now. I'm sorry.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sucks, man.
1: <laughs> like, that sucks. And I'm thinking, well, so what incentive do I have to play this? But um, so yeah, that. But yeah. So all right. So you go from Sins of Memory, and then when do, how does that lead into Piranha?
3: Well, <clears throat> I um, there there, you know, a few guys, you know, kind of doing things like yourselves and Ray and pe- people I was friends with at the time and. They kind of hooked me up with some other guys. I jammed with some other people and stuff. I didn't really, I didn't really know what I was going to do. You know, mm-hmm. I just knew that that wasn't for me anymore. And, and uh, so um, I, I saw this when My space was big. Uh, Darren had posted a thing looking for a drummer and bass player.
1: Amongst five thousand other bulletins, yeah, yeah. But I kept seeing, I
3: kept seeing this one like <laughs> yeah. over and over again. Yeah. Uh, much like Thorne did, uh, and uh, I finally just wrote one day like, hmm, you know, that's all I said. Yeah. And then Darren got in touch with me, or uh, somehow we hooked up and started talking and scheduled a, uh, you know, a tryout. You know, I thought, yeah. oh, why not? You know, mm-hmm. so see what happens. And and um, we we got together, me and Matt and him. They didn't, obviously didn't have a bass player. So they came over to my house and we we jammed for a while and they offered this gig to me that night. So yeah, it was, it was good.
1: Let me ask you a question about Matt since he's not here to defend himself. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Something I've always wondered: Why does he always wear shorts on stage? Uh, does he always wear shorts? Yes, it's like I've never seen the guy wear pants on stage ever. I think I, I think I have. And this is just me. Being, I never thought about. This is that. me being a completely, complete geek. I don't know. You know, but it, like every time I've seen Piranha alive, and this goes back years. You know what though? He's weir- always
3: wearing shorts, and it's weird, but <laughs> it's it's weird too because if it's cold. Like, Matt's anemic, uh-huh. and so, like, it's, like... Oh, really? Yeah, he's, like, usually, like, the, the guy that's usually wearing a jacket uh-huh. on the side shorts. So, that's weird, man. I, didn't, I don't know, not know. think man. about it.
1: Have you ever seen him wear pants on Yes, things? I have. have? I'm okay. pretty sure I then have. I miss but, those shows. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you know? any time I've seen him on, I'm like, why the hell does he always wear shorts? But anyway, um, <laughs> it's one of the weird <laughs> things that I think of. So, all right. Well, and you guys, like you said, you open for Soil. Uh, let me hear about some of the other nationally known bands that you've opened for.
3: Uh, Overkill, um, okay. Joey Belladonna, Anthrax, uh, Doro Pesh. Uh huh. Um, the guys opened for Sacred Reich back in the day before I was I was in. Um, a Menzuria, which has some guys from Gore in it. Hmm. Um, gosh, I know I'm forgetting somebody. And
1: who were the nicest, and who were the biggest douchebags?
3: I don't think anybody was really. Oh, don't a, give me that. Stalking. No one was really. Come no, on. no one was really a douchebag. The coolest, the coolest people. The coolest guy was probably Belladonna,
1: mm-hmm.
3: and he was he was really 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 cool to us. I Just you know, hey man, you know what? year's are your Ludwig kit, you know, and mm-hmm. you know, and, and stuff like giving me shit about my my Crash of Doom that I had. He's like, you paid money for that because it's a really <laughs> warped looking symbol, and uh, but I mean, he was cool. Um, Blitz was cool. Um, you know, I mean, really, no one's been an asshole or nothing like that. I mean, I really can't. I mean, have you, I'm not trying to avoid it. I just, no one's been, you know, a dick or
1: nothing. Have you ever been stiffed on a show? How,
3: what is that? Stiffed mean? as
1: in um, should have been paid but weren't. Um,
3: Yes. <laughs> Care to talk about it? <clears throat> the Menzeria show in Knoxville. Oh yeah, the first show prawn I ever did with this current lineup was at the Electric Ballroom, which is now the Valerian. Yeah, I remember that. And uh, we played with with and, and a couple other bands, and um, yeah, we didn't get paid that night. So did y'all fight it, or? Uh, I mean, what could we do? I mean, yeah, what am I going to do? Beat the guy up? And yeah, go, I guess and if go the go guy's up, like, I'm not paying you, I'm not paying you. You know, uh, you know. So uh, we do things a little differently now.
1: Okay. No, I'm just
3: yeah it sucked it sucked you know but i mean i'm digging for dirt i'm at sorry. the same at the same i mean the same time it was like it was our first show we were just so happy to be playing and sure it was a, it was a cool venue yeah, it's it was a, a great venue it's a big stage yeah yeah and we sounded great you know we we had a good crowd um you know but uh Yeah. You know, we didn't get paid sucked
1: <laughs> well so but we were happy yeah. you know we were happy but you're uh you're pretty confident in uh things going forward with the band
3: oh absolutely oh, yeah.
1: Do people not understand you, do you get strange reactions in the line for the in-store appearance at the record store, the gods are here! do you lash out at others in frustration at their horrible taste in music when they should be listening to something a bit more worthwhile,
2: you are the masters of heavy metal!
1: then the Decibel Geek Podcast is here for you. We provide thought-provoking commentary on music that doesn't suck. Yeah! We strive to bring you a healthy dose of discussion on legendary bands. Sabbath! Bands that write amazing songs. Sabbath! We even sometimes talk about Black Sabbath. Sabbath. So stop what you're doing and tune into the Decibel Geek podcast. I'm leaving now. Please visit us at www.dbgeekshow.blogspot.com. No Black Sabbath things were harmed in the making of this commercial. Sabbath!